So Avengers Endgame, as you guys know, is the highest grossing movie of all time worldwide. Mm -hmm. Okay? And it's the only movie I've been in. So, I mean, people want to talk about Tom Cruise or The Rock and their total box office, but I'm just saying, you look at the stats, which is what I do, <laughs> on a per-movie basis, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the highest-grossing actor of all time worldwide. <laughs> oh, my God. Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. I mean, the numbers are the numbers, Jay Croucher. We're in L.A., the home of movie stars. So it is appropriate that I and you are here for Fantasy Football Happy Hour. As I told Jimmy uh, Fallon last night on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, a thrill and an honor for me to be on that show. The numbers are the numbers. Your numbers, guy. Numbers don't lie. Yeah, you said it. Yeah. Compare yourself to Tom Cruise. Put yourself a tier above. I like I, it. No I'm just saying, around. if you took my per movie average, <laughs> yeah. like what the box office of all my movies that I've been, what have they yes. have averaged at the box office, and then you take all the movies that Tom Cruise has done and the average of their box office, yeah. on a per movie basis, I average more total box office than Tom Cruise. That's true. Again, I've been in one movie. It was the highest grossing movie of all time. I don't make as much money as Tom Cruise, but I'm just, you know, I mean, numbers are numbers. He had some films that drag it down a little bit. Uh, just a little bit. Interview with the Vampire. That didn't Oblivion help. Oblivion wasn't amazing I, at the box Doesn't feel like Vanilla Sky really got <laughs> there. Sky. So I'm yeah. just saying. All right. Anyway, so we are live from SoFi Stadium uh, here in beautiful Los Angeles. Jay Crouch and Matthew Berry here on the Fantasy Bowl Happy Hour with Matthew Berry presented. Served by Applebee's, I should say. Not presented, but served by our good friends at Applebee's. We have a game Thursday night. We do. Uh, Bills at Rams. It'll be live here on Peacock and NBC. Football Night in America precedes that. I will be on with the whole gang. Um, Let's talk a little bit more about Fallon, though, firstly, because this was it was a big thing. It was a big thing. And uh, I hear you had some advice for him around his fantasy team. I think we have a little shot. When, when you say things like this, does it throw the numbers like crazy? Maybe. Somewhat, yeah, I, mean, I yeah. don't know, I, you know. Yes, I mean, I'm, I'm so flattered that a lot of people that, pay attention to what, what I say. So you can make up a name, you're like, oh, you've got to get uh, yeah. a Skip Benson. Yeah. Right, yeah. And you go, Dougal, Dougal McGillicuddy, yeah. running back, is a sleeper. So you will help me out? I will help you out. I'm I've so got excited. your back. Wait, by, by the way, do you want to win? I mean, like, you can, because, because like, yeah, I mean, if you yes. want to, I, I will help you crush your staff like a grape. <laughs> I, you know? <laughs> I will like, help you crush your stuff like a grape. Like a grape. Yes. Crush them like a grape. Fantastic. Like a lyric. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, uh, he uh, so he, he drafted second overall. He sent me the team. It's pretty good. Okay. He, did, he did a nice job, and okay. he did go with McCaffrey at two, yeah. which if you saw the segment, that was my recommendation well, for him. Speaking of pretty good as well, we have another little shot of, uh, of your dress code last night, which oh. uh, raised some eyebrows if we can throw to that. All right. Matthew Barry attire. Look at this. Now, if I was pricing the market, I would have made Socks a minus 2,000 favorite. Uh, that got beat yeah. uh, pretty handily. Was this you? This was your call. This is Well, here's, here's what I would say is uh, the great Amy Acton of NBC Sports Wardrobe suggested this. And I said, wow, that looks so much better than anything I would have put together myself. So, I mean, so technically, yes, it was my call. Now... You kind of you look like a guy who might be the highest grossing actor of all time. There, you don't really right now, but that guy does <laughs> Fair a little enough. bit. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, we, we're still working on a wardrobe budget. But, well, like, well, listen, well, look, here's what we need. 
Here's what we need for the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. We need a beer sponsor. We're yes. still asking for that. We want a beer sponsor. For so, uh, we're, we're looking for uh, an alcohol sponsor and a wardrobe sponsor. So <laughs> we'll work on all that. But in the meantime, I put out my 10 list of 10. Yes. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to talk Bills and Rams throughout the, throughout the show and everything. But uh, I put out my 10 list of 10 column on NBCSportsEdge.com, RotoWorld.com. I want to talk about one of the lists there, which is preseason storylines I'm buying, okay? And so 10 of them. Uh, and one storyline that didn't make the list but just came in just as we were hitting the air, looks like Zach Wilson isn't going to play for at least the first four weeks. Joe Flacco officially named the starter for the Jets week one. Elijah Moore, the one start that Joe Flacco had last year against Miami, Elijah Moore was really good. Yeah, what was it? Eight receptions, 141 yards, and a touchdown. Just turned in. Apparently, Joe Flacco turns Elijah Moore into peak Devontae Adams. But does this, for anyone that's drafting tonight, tomorrow, people do draft throughout the first weekend as well, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday. Are you upping any of the Jets' pass catchers, Elijah Moore maybe specifically, because, hey, we, we feel we at least know what Flacco is? Yeah, I'm upping all of them because. You know, in terms of what goes into the betting market, we have Joe Flacco as a better quarterback right now than Zach Wilson. Wilson has more upside. He has more potential to be great. Flacco does not at this stage. But I think he certainly raises the floor, and he takes away the disaster potential in the first few weeks for guys like Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, again, I, I say this this comment all the time, but uh, on a – like. Joe Flacco is a professional quarterback, yes. and I do not I, – I, always people think I'm, I'm being insulting there, but I'm not. Like, he can make the throws he needs to – he can run an offense. Like, you know, if, if he tells a guy to run a 10-yard out, he's going to hit a guy on a 10-yard out. Like, and so I prefer at least early, – early part of the season, I prefer Elijah Moore to Garrett Wilson. I prefer him to Corey Davis. I think this is good news for uh, for the running game because I think they'll they won't be able to you know focus on the run game as well. They'll have to at least respect the pass. So uh, yeah, and by the way, Elijah Moore, interesting player in week number one. Definitely. So in terms of the preseason storylines that yeah. you're buying, we're going to run through a few of these. Now the first one is about the Vikings' offense having a breakout season. We're going to get to your bold predictions a bit later. About half of them are about the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, so man. You've got Skull. the Vikings. Vikings coming as the. Uh, the second coming of the 2007 Patriots, by the sounds of it. <laughs> so walk us through why you're buying the Vikings offense. Well, it, it starts with Kevin O'Connell. It, it starts with Kevin O'Connell and Wes Phillips coming over from the Rams. And Sean McVay, they've spent a lot of time with McVay. Uh, those offensive systems are what they believe in. And also just talent. I, I mean, I feel like, and by the way, you're starting to hear, and I think you're going to hear more and more. Remember, remember about, like, once Urban Meyer left, there was this massive sigh of relief. You know, and like just about what a disaster it was. I don't think it was such a disaster under Mike Zimmer, but it is clear hearing some of the some of the quotes that are coming out of Minnesota that he ran a very tight ship, like a very tight ship. And it just the players just weren't responding to that. And so I think with a a younger coach, a more of a player friendly coach in KOC. And then, as you see on your screen here, Cousins, you know, Jefferson, Thielen, Dalvin Cook, Irv Smith, KJ Osborne, who emerged. Alexander Madison. Jalen yeah, Rager. Jay, yeah, they just had – look, for a fourth wide receiver, you could do worse than Jalen Rager, who was a first-round pick in the NFL for a reason. He was. Right? And so, anyway, I'm what I'm saying here is that they, they have a lot of pieces. It is going to be a fantasy-friendly offense. They're going to throw quite a bit. Uh, we'll get into my bold predictions, but that is one of the preseason storylines I'm buying, that the Vikings offense will have a breakout season under Kevin O'Connell. 
Yeah. The thing there is that the unknown, new things, they create upside because we just haven't seen it before. So there's huge upside for Cousins to potentially lead the league in passing or passing touchdowns, which we're going to talk about as well. And Justin Jefferson might have the highest ceiling of any skill position player in the game. Now, another preseason storyline that you are buying. We've talked about this guy a lot. This is the Ramondre Stevenson show. And you're buying that he will get half the early down work and all the James White work. You heard Bill Belichick praise Ramondre Stevenson's pass route running and uh, and you know and his blocking and Belichick's not a guy that gives out praise often and so he's been you know for Belichick effusive in his praise of Ramondre Stevenson. It's also just sort of like process of elimination. Like I don't want to sit here and say I'm some brilliant detective, but you're like, well, who's ca- now that James White is retired? Who's it going to be? Is it going to be Ty Montgomery? Is it going to be Damian Harris? Like. Ramondre Stevenson, to the eye test, is the best pass-catching running back on that team to me at this stage of their respective careers. He also has the ability to go between the tackles, so it doesn't allow defenses to be like, oh, when James White was in there, you were sort of like, okay, we know it's a passing play, right? You know, LeGarrette Blunt was in there back in the day. We're like, all right, we're going up the middle here. So I think it gives them more versatility with their offense, which they need because it is an offense in transition with Josh McDaniels now in Las Vegas. I'm a big believer in Ronjay Stevenson's talent, and I think he's going to have the opportunity. But make no mistake, Damian Harris will get some of the, you know, he's going to still score a decent amount of rushing touchdowns and get some of the early down work. But Ramondre Stevenson has a chance on what should be a run-first team to be special this year. So only two New England running backs since Corey Dillon in 2004 have gotten north of 250 carries in a season. Dillon had 345 that year, different era. So the two I, guys. I don't were, think he gets 250 carries, but I absolutely think he gets over 250 touches. Yes, yes, and we haven't had a running back in New England get over a thousand rushing yards since Legarrette Blunt in 2016. I think Ramondre could definitely flirt with that. Keep in mind, Harris got banged up a little bit last year. He's a yep. bruising kind of running back, so there's always that potential that he misses some time. And we saw what Ramondre Stevenson could do when he was the starter. Uh, he's going behind Damian Harris on Yahoo. I think that's a mistake. I have Stevenson higher than Damian Harris. Yep. Okay, another complicated running back situation, as it is every year in Kansas City. So one of the other storylines you're buying is that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire will lose a decent number of touches to Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon this season. Uh, you ever been to Vegas? I have been to Vegas. Okay. Yeah. And when it comes to the Kansas City running backs, you know mm. what I am? Roulette table? <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Tapped out. Okay. I, I'm just. I, I'm look. Like that's what that was. I'm getting questions in my ear. Was that that was that was me being out? I'm glad. I don't yeah. think that's that's, the, a, that's what the blackjack dealers the, technical, the okay. blackjack dealers do. They like they show that they're out. They show that they're not stealing any chips from the casino. I am out because I do think Isaiah Pacheco is going to get some run here. I do think they like Jarek McKinnon, especially on third down and passing down. I do think that Clyde edwards Lair has gotten multiple opportunities to prove he can be the guy, and he has failed. And more importantly, they don't need to run. They've got Patrick Mahomes. They showed last year, screw it. We're just going to throw every down. And you know what? It worked for them. So I think... I think it might be a little bit more balanced this year without Tyreek Hill, but they'll they'll get creative. You know, they they use Travis Kelsey sometimes in the backfield and their and their tight ends. They I'm sure they'll do some sweeps for like MVS and Sky Moore is going to be involved in the pass, running running game. I don't believe I believe they will have a good running game. The Chiefs will, but I don't believe any of these guys will have enough 
standalone, consistent fantasy value this year. If you want to take a late flyer, McKinnon or Pacheco, not, I'm good with it. I don't mind it. But I'm out on any wanting to start any of those guys. Yeah. It's the most frustrating situation in the league from a fantasy perspective because no one schemes up running backs better than Andy Reid does. In terms of how they run block, no yeah. one creates more yards before contact than the Kansas City Chiefs, but it just feels like another one of those years where they've got three running backs who are between 400 and 600 yards rushing, and you can't really play any of them. Yeah, they'll have good games, but like try figuring out, oh, this is going to be the Pacheco game. Oh, this is the CEH game. Like It's just they're going to mix and match, and you're just that's the key, I think, that people forget about fantasy football it's not just about the production it's about knowing when to start those guys because we'll look here a year from now and be like oh pacheco had these good games and ceh had these good games but you're just i i think it's gonna barring injury it's gonna be hard to know oh this is the week that you start this guy yeah so a rookie with a clearer path to playing time than isaiah pacheco is isaiah likely uh, another guy that you're buying so you're buying that he is going to have an immediate role in the baltimore offense yeah, I'm buying it because you hear it from everybody. You hear it from beat reporters. You hear it from the team. You see it in the production that he had in the preseason. And again, you sort of just like, okay, let's look at this logically. They've got Mark Andrews, okay. They've got Rashad Bateman. And then what do they got? I mean, Devin yeah. DuVernay, yeah, like, Devin DuVernay. Right, you know, Demarcus Robinson. Like, I could just – they think they have something in Isaiah Likely. They're very excited about him. I agree with them, by the way. I think they have that as well. I think he's a really talented guy. I was uh, I was texting last night with an NFL insider. I don't want to uh, say this person's name, but this NFL insider, we were talking sort of about sleepers. Mm. And I said, I, I, I really like, you know, uh, Isaiah Likely. Uh, the, the person said, Baltimore loves Isaiah Likely. And I said, I know. Peter King said that on my show uh, last week, you know, uh, as well. And he goes, yeah, I know. I wish they would keep, I wish they would stop talking about him. You know, he, he's... I'm getting killed in all my drafts because people are now, out, you know, are on onto Isaiah Likely. So I'm totally buying it uh, that he's going to have an immediate role in the Ravens' offense and likely be uh, the third passing option for Lamar Jackson, who I know you have as your fantasy ride or die this year. We both expect a monster year from Lamar Jackson, and I don't think it's going to be as run heavy an offense as they think. As, no. people, as people think. I agree. And I think the thing with Likely as well is that people are just viewing him as Mark Andrews' backup and as a tight end too with a really low ceiling. You need to view him as like a wide receiver three because he is basically a wide receiver who just lines up at the tight end position. He was the highest graded tight end in PFF history. Uh, history. That's, that's pretty good. Yes. That's pretty good. And I think that he's going to get a lot of carries. And, and, they, and, they, and, and by the way, the Ravens just, they run a ton of 12 personnel, right? They like having two tight ends on the field. So I think he's going to play a lot of uh, a lot of snaps with Mark Andrews. I agree. He is not Mark Andrews' backup. Like, they got two tight ends. And, you know, we have seen it over the course, you know, go back to the Patriot days. Like, we have seen offenses have two productive fantasy tight ends think about the eagles with Ertz and goddard back in the day as well so uh especially when there's a narrow target tree like there is in baltimore give me some isaiah likely as a late round flyer definitely okay before we throw to break if you want to gain an edge in the betting space check out me and drew dinsick weekday mornings on bet the edge airs at 10:45 eastern on our mb sports nbc sports youtube channel and me and Drew will give you sharp, actionable information that will help you wager with confidence. So if you're targeting player props, spreads, totals, or futures markets, whatever, me and Drew have you covered. And you can also check out the show in audio form wherever you listen to your podcasts, Matthew. So you do that every day? I do that every day. 
And this show every day? And this show every day. We don't pay you enough. (laughs) We are back on the Fantasy Football Happy Hour here as uh, Amon Ross St. Brown uh, shares this, uh, this DM that he got on Instagram. Congrats, you've been selected by fantasy team. With that being said, I want to set some ground rules. <laughs> and then, you know, and, and that's a quote. So I appreciate that. Like, that's, yeah, yeah, look. What are your ground rules, Matthew? Well, number one is you don't DM athletes. Okay. Don't talk to athletes about your fantasy team, mm. right? Unless they're promoting, you know, some sort of company. Like we had Stefan Diggs on last week, and he's, he was there because he was promoting a company. But, no, they don't care about your fantasy teams. And, by the way, they shouldn't. No. They should focus on winning, you know, winning games for their NFL teams. Let me worry about your fantasy teams. Let Jay worry about your fantasy team. That's our gig. Yeah. Okay. So I don't tag athletes on social media. Don't slide into their DMs. Having said that, I thought Amon Ross St. Brown was a pretty good sport uh, for that, and I did think it was pretty funny. Like, yeah, congratulations on uh, <laughs> on being. I know that's a quote from a movie, and I'm blanking on uh, the. You know the ground rules. I feel like that's a quote from a movie, and I, I've okay. completely blanked on what it. Uh, it's the, the Titans. That's, that's what it, it is. Yeah, I, I, I know it was the Denzel Washington movie, and I'm just yeah. like, what? Anyway, you know, okay. the the past few months without any football, I've been betting a lot of tennis because that you know basketball's done, football's right. done, and so one of the guys who I bet with, he has a thing where when we bet on someone, he will DM the athlete. Oh Sorry, no, but he'll DM them like weird stuff. So Annette Contavite is playing Serena Williams, and so he'll DM Annette Contavite just destroy her full stop and then Annette Consvite melts down and, and loses to Serena Williams and uh, it doesn't work it never works so yeah so so your friend is like is is a mush it yes. basically is like um let me know who he bet so I can I can fade him um yeah you know what would have been I mean like if you're going to do that whole bit though like you're going to do the whole remember the Titans quote mm. like don't send it to Amon Ross St. Brown send it to Derrick Henry exactly like that's what you should have done there that's so the guy missed opportunity there um so anyway uh, so there is that. We are here, Jay, at SoFi Stadium, where yeah. Thursday night the NFL season will kick off. Finally, yes, the no NFL season. Will, yes, well, U.S. Uh, Open still, well, right? Sure, but whatever. The, the, we're here. Nothing else matters. The, the NFL season will finally kick off uh, here at SoFi Stadium, where the Bills play at the Rams uh, on NBC and Peacock. Football Night in America kicks everything off, and so. You are the co-host of the Bet the Edge podcast. I just learned five <laughs> minutes ago. To be honest with you, I didn't know. Um, and so we thought we'd take a look at the Rams and Bills from a betting perspective. Here, Bills win total are uh, is eleven and a half. You taking uh, you taking the over at minus one forty or uh, the under at plus one twenty. I would lean the under if I had to choose one. The Bills, really? they have the highest win total of any team. It's not even particularly close either. And they've been anointed as the team. Sure. You don't usually see teams that have this much of a gap to the rest of the competition. The shortest Super Bowl favorite in recent memory was the Patriots back in 2017, the year they got Brandon Cooks, and it was Cooks and Amendola and Pete Gronkowski, and they were plus 275 to win the Super Bowl. The Bills this year are plus 600. And they're the favorite. And I think rightfully so because they just they have the best team on paper. And the reason that I would separate them from the Chiefs, the Chargers, is that they just have the easiest division. And that's why they're minus 225 to win the division. And the second favorite is the Dolphins, whereas the Chiefs right. and Chargers have to deal with each other. So, I mean, do you agree so that you're the Bills... So ta- you're taking them at plus 600. You like them. 
I wouldn't like- take them at plus 600 at the price, but I agree they should have the shortest odds just because they have such a good chance of winning the division and they are the clear class of the AFC. But yeah, I don't think that there's so much distance between them and the rest of the pack. Do you think they're clearly the best team? Uh, in the NFL? I, the, what po- makes me pause there is clearly, the word clearly. Mm-hmm. Do I think they're the best team? Yes. Do I think they're clearly the best team? No. I mean, I think... I think if they get, I think if the Packers get anything out of their pass catchers, I think the Packers have a conversation. You know, like I think the Chargers are in the mix. I think the Chiefs are in the mix. I think you could, you you know, let's see. But I I don't think the Buccaneers are out of that conversation. So I so no. I mean, I, on paper, do they have the best team? Do they have? Yes. Are they clearly the best team? No. I'm not ready to say that as well. I'm surprised though you would take the under. On the wins. I would. I would, just, I would worry. They've got, they had a really easy schedule last year, and they still didn't get the one seed. This year, they've got the 11th hardest schedule in the league, and they have weaknesses. The offensive line isn't amazing. They've never been able to run the ball in the Josh Allen era, really. And then their cornerback situation as well, with Tredavious White being on the pup list. Going to rely heavily on Kaya Elam, who should be good, but I mean he's going to be covering Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson in his first start. So yeah, I would have a few reservations about the Bills, but I'm sure they'll be fine. It's just 12 and five is uh, is a lot of wins. Fantasy wise, we do expect them to put up a lot of points. I think Josh Allen is the clear QB one. Pretty much everyone in the industry has him as that. Stefan Diggs is a top five wide receiver. I don't think anyone counts that. I'm big on Gabriel Davis. I am not alone in that. A lot of people like Gabriel Davis to have a big breakout year it's one of those annoying things i've been on gabe davis now for like a year and a half and make no mistake like i get a lot of stuff wrong too like it's not like but i'm just you know gabe i always felt like gabe davis was, he was one of your my guy. guy he was my guy he was in your stable and now and now right i've had him on go back and look like a year and a half ago talking about you know talk about this guy how i have him on every dynasty team adam is a rookie um and i do i have him on every dynasty team but one uh but yeah now everyone's sort of on board with gabriel davis but i'm still still a believer in him and I love, we talked about this in a previous show, but I love the futures bet of most touchdown catches this season for Gabriel Davis where the odds were, what was it? I mean, it was north of 30 to yeah, 1. You're yeah, getting exactly. a big price for a, for a team as well that's going to have a lot of touchdowns. Yeah, and I do think Devin Singletary could have a good year here as well. They have James Cook. They have Zach Moss, but Cook's a rookie, more of a third down back. Zach Moss was a healthy scratch at multiple times last year. I, I like Devin Singletary who's going way late in drafts. Let's move over to the Rams here. Their win total is 10.5. You've taken the over or the under. Both are at minus 110. Yeah, I would probably lean slightly to the over. I just think that last year, Stafford Stafford went through this three-week phase last year where he was yeah. just throwing to opponents for fun, and he just couldn't get right. I think that he will have less interceptions. Matthew Stafford led the league in interceptions last year. I think that will come down. I think now Allen Robinson is a much better number two than anyone they had last year. He's better than Robert Woods. He's better than Odell Beckham. And just having that to take some pressure off of Cup. Matthew Stafford was throwing touchdowns to Cooper Cup in triple coverage and they were just connecting because they're that good I think it's going to be a more spaced offense worry a little, about, a little bit about the offensive line, uh, losing Whitworth also maybe some questions on the defense without Von Miller but I think this is just the rock solid team and, and Sean McVay is now the closest thing to the Bill Belichick Patriots this team just wins games every year so I would lean slightly over they're going to have a stiff test from the Niners not the easiest run either. I mean, playing the Bills week one, they're underdogs to the Bills in week one. But At yeah, home. Yeah, I just think this is a, it's an 11-6 and six team uh, that is rightfully favorite for the NFC West. Yeah, I like that call as well. I, fantasy-wise, if we just uh, go there to talk about uh, what we expect here, Cooper Cup's the number one wide receiver. 
I do think Stafford and Robinson are both going undervalued a little bit in drafts. The the elbow concerns uh, about Stafford sort of dropped his stock, you know, his his ADP. And while they're it's something they're going to quote monitor. They haven't signed anyone. They haven't done any moves that make you think that they're really worried about it. I mean, they're they're going all in with Matthew Stafford here. I Allen Robinson, I've been all in on him all preseason. He's finally his ADP starting to creep up. I still don't think it's where it should be as I have him as a top 15 fantasy wide receiver this year. I'm nervous about the running backs, though. I see Cam Akers going way too high. He was on my hate list. Again, I think this is a running back by committee. I think Daryl Henderson is going to be used more than people realize. I am concerned about the offensive line as well. And the weird one was when Sean McVay did not want to play Kieran Williams. Yeah, that came out in of the nowhere. Third, in the third preseason game, and you're like, a day three draft pick? You're not playing in the third preseason game? And it's because he said we think he's going to have a significant role this year? I don't know that he's going to have a role that you know is fantasy relevant, but if he's going to get enough touches that they're worried about losing him to injury in a preseason game, if Cam Akers is getting only half these touches, then I think um, – he absolutely does not return the top 17 running back value of where he's being drafted. Like, I am out on Akers this year. No, I would be as well. Uh, he's got a long way to come back. Again, the Achilles, that's the worst injury that you can have, basically. And he didn't show anything in the playoffs. Obviously, he's had more time now, but a lot of questions about Cam Akers and the running game. A market that Cam Akers is probably not going to feature in is uh, the NFL MVP winner market. Now... It's going to be two guys playing tomorrow night who are pretty high up on the odds board, including the number one guy, Josh Allen, at plus 700. And then you look a little bit further down, Matthew Stafford, plus 1,500, uh, with six guys in between them. This is a quarterback award now. Who do you like between Allen and Stafford at the prices? Um, I still like – I still – if I had to take the two, I'd just take – I think Josh Allen's a better bet because if the Bills win, Josh Allen's going to get the award. If, if the Rams win, maybe it's Stafford, maybe it's Cup, maybe oh. it's Jalen Ramsey. I, I don't know. On that list, I'd prefer I'd prefer Mahomes. I'd prefer Brady. I'd prefer Herbert. I'd prefer Lamar Jackson. I think all those guys have better odds. I think all those guys have a better chance to win given the odds. I mean, like, again, like, if the Bucks win, like, it's, it's going to be Bra- Brady. It's Tom Brady, right? You know, again, because people are sort of counting them out, right? I mean, like... You know, same with if the Chiefs win without Tyreek Hill, it's going to be Mahomes. More narrative. If the Chargers take it's it is it's a narrative award is what yep. it is, and so if the Chargers take that next step, it's going to be Herbert. And we've talked about Lamar Jackson and his contract year. Yep, I'm with you on Josh Allen over Stafford at the prices as well. And the thing to remember about MVP, this is a team award as much as an elite quarterback award, where 13 of the past 17 MVP winners have been on one seats. So if you're looking at the Bills, the Bills are plus 275 to get the one seed. I wouldn't touch that. Just back Josh Allen plus 700 to win MVP. You're getting a much better price. It's hugely correlated. If you're pricing an MVP market, just take the team's one seed odds and just multiply it by two. And that's your starting point. Uh, So I think that Josh Allen is in play there. Now, another market, NFL Offensive Player of the Year, where the guy who won it, he plays out here, had a pretty good Super Bowl, Cooper Cup, who was the third favorite for OPOY. Uh, now, this is a tough a tough market for me, Matthew, because I was holding a 70-1 to 1 Jonathan Taylor OPOY ticket last year. Yeah. And Cooper Cup, he took that ticket into his very, very reliable hands, and he just ripped it up yeah. in front of my eyes. He won the award. He was the deserving winner. He and spit into your heart. He did. And then Josh Allen, 
is plus 2200. This has become more of an award for non-quarterbacks. It goes, the history of this award is that if there is a historic elite skill position player, it goes there. If there's not, it defaults to the most prolific quarterback. Uh, so of those, say those top three guys, Taylor, Cup, Jefferson, who do you like the most? I like Jefferson. I was yeah. looking at that list. I, give me Justin Jefferson. I mean, we're going to, and this is a way to tease my bold prediction segment, but you heard in segment one, I'm in on the Vikings this year. I think they have a big year, and I think Justin Jefferson, his talent, that scheme, good quarterback, he has a chance to have a truly magical year. So I think just in terms of the odds, I think it's unlikely that Cooper Cup repeats. I agree with you. Like Devontae Adams, if he has a monster year in Las Vegas, I think he could be there. But feels like Justin Jefferson, to me, is where I'd place my money. I think so. And the thing about this award, too, is that it goes to the player who is the identity of their offense. Cooper Cup became the Rams' offense because so much of Stafford's production just went to Cup. Jefferson will be the Minnesota offense. He will get the credit over Kirk Cousins. Same thing with Jonathan Taylor in Indianapolis. And so I think someone like Jamar Chase, he suffers because he's got Joe Burrow taking away credit from him. Uh, A lot of people like to look at the odds for quarterbacks in this award because quarterbacks do win this award 50% of the time. Uh, But the thing there to remember is that it generally goes to the most statistically prolific quarterback. Doesn't value winning as much. And the way to think about that is that Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, they would win MVPs. Drew Brees would win Offensive Player of the Year because he was getting the 5,000-yard seasons. So that's just something to think about is that you know guys like Herbert and Stafford, they have a shot at 5,000 yards. Which I think is important, again, as you head into fantasy drafts. This year, more importantly than ever, I think it. I, I am in on trying to get an elite quarterback. And we always talk about the quarterback upgrade and the importance of a good quarterback to have those record-setting seedings. That's what we think. Um, Justin Jefferson is going to have this year. We are live at SoFi Stadium on the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. Jake Croucher and Matthew Berry hanging out. When we come back, my bold predictions, which will absolutely not be recorded and thrown back in my face six months from now when they all turn horribly wrong. They absolutely won't be. There's no way that that happens. 100%. That's next. And I think Kirk Cousins, he's not as good as Aaron Rodgers. He's not a top five quarterback. But he could absolutely have Matt Ryan's MVP season. He's, he could get to that level for one year, find an offensive line that feels not great but isn't the car crash it was when he got there. And Justin Jefferson uh, is as good a chance as anyone to an offensive player of the year. Kirk Cousins, 40-1 to 1 MVP. I don't think that's insane. A lot of Vikings love on the, the Skull. happy hour. With Matthew Barry. Okay, so this this is your segment, Matthew. These are your bold predictions, 10 of them for the season. I'm just going to let you wear the chef's hat and cook here. The first one, <laughs> Kirk Cousins leads the NFL in touchdown passes. Now, again, we should preface that bold predictions are predictions that are unlikely to happen. That's what makes them bold, but they're within the range of possibility. That's what makes them predictions here. And listen, Kirk Cousins is one of only six quarterbacks to have at least 30 touchdown passes each of the last two seasons. Okay. And he did it, you know, and the other guys, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. Like, all all big, bold-faced names, and then you got Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins did that under an offense that last year was bottom 14 in pass rate. Now, again, Kevin O'Connell, who comes from L.A., where Matthew Stafford threw 41 touchdown passes last year. My expectation here is, yes, I think there's a chance. Everything breaks right. He's got a lot of talented pass catchers. 
They're going to open up this offense. That's my bold prediction that Kirk Cousins leads the NFL in touchdown passes this year. Plus 1,600. Don't mind that, like we've talked about. It's going to be so sad when the Vikings go 6-11 and 11 and uh, it all burns. Uh, right. we're, going to, we're going to look really bad. Another Vikings prediction. Justin Jefferson has the best fantasy season of a wide receiver ever. Yeah, I mean, look, 30% target share last year. 10 targets a game. Like, no one questions the talent. No one questions uh, the fact that uh, he's going to get a lot of looks. This is the most he's had the most yards by a wide receiver in his first two seasons in NFL history. So he's really, really good. And so, if this offense takes another step up, if this offense takes that next level, think about Cooper Cup last year. Massive target share, great quarterback, pass happy offense. What do we have here? Massive target share pass happy offense and the other thing about cup whether it was woods or obj or van jefferson they had enough that defenses couldn't just focus on cup and i think with Thielen and kj osborne and irv smith and dalvin cook out of the backfield like they don't they're not gonna be able to constantly double and triple team justin jefferson who can move all over the field they'll line up in a bunch of different positions so yeah justin jefferson who's currently going as wide receiver two but i've seen other people take him as wide receiver one which i don't mind at all that's my bold prediction justin jefferson the best fantasy season by a wide receiver of all time. I think when you're looking to go with unprecedented things, you need unprecedented players to get there. And Jefferson's only parallel is Randy Moss, who's pretty good. So I, I'm with you on that. And then also, it's just it's the perfect parallel where you have Kevin O'Connell as well, who right. literally just activated Cooper Cup's historic season, now goes to Minnesota to do the same thing with Justin Jefferson, talk of using him in a similar way to Cup. So all the upside in the world for Justin Jefferson. Another high upside wide receiver is Chris Godwin, who is currently being drafted outside the top 30, and you think that he finishes as a top five wide receiver in total points. Okay, so last year on a points-per-game basis, he's wide receiver seven, so maybe not that bold. The question becomes the health. Well, he practiced on Monday without a knee brace. Right? I, like prior to, prior to injury, weeks one through 15 last year, he was wide receiver eight in terms of uh, points per game. Again, prior to the injury, they led the league in pass attempts last year as well. And so, you know, whether depending on your scoring system, he was either wide receiver seven or wide receiver eight last year on a points-per-game basis. The fact of the matter is, is narrower target tree in Tampa Bay. Yes, they add Julio and Russell Gage, but they lost Antonio Brown. They lost Rob Gronkowski. Who knows how many snaps they want Julio Jones to play. Gage is, you know, Gage is a nice player, but Chris Godwin's special. And so the only question on Godwin is health. On a points-per-game basis, um, uh, you know, we know he's going to be productive. Bold prediction, I'm saying top five wide receiver in total points because I think there's a chance he gets some snaps in week one. And so, like, that's the, the, the reason he was going so far outside the top 30 is that because people are like, oh, he's going to miss four or five, six games. Doesn't look like that's going to be the case. I think, would you agree that he's got the most inexplicable ADP of yes. any player? Yeah, because he... I think people are starting to cotton on to that, though. He's starting to go very he's early. Rising. He drops yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone wants him and then thinks that they can wait a little bit to get him, and then he's just gone because everyone knows. Tom Brady's the second favorite to lead the league in passing yards. A lot of those yards will naturally go to Godwin. He'll probably have to come home like a steam train to finish top five because he probably will start off a little bit slower. Yes. But I think he has that potential. Now, Gabriel Davis. I know you were a bit late to the party on Gabriel Davis. You didn't like him too much early, but... Uh, he outscores Stefan Diggs in fantasy points. That's what that is. That's cruel. Yeah, so Gabe Davis outscored Stefan Diggs in fantasy points again. This is a bold prediction segment, but remember, last year, Gabriel Davis, 98th in targets among wide receivers. He had 
11 different games where he ran less than 20 routes. Like, he just wasn't on the field, and yet despite the fact that he really wasn't on the field very much, he still finished top five in the NFL among wide receivers in end zone targets. What do fantasy points come from mostly? Touchdowns. And as we talked about, it's like over 30-1 to that Gabriel Davis to lead the league in touchdowns. I think there's a chance because now he's going to be out there pretty much every snap. When they get in close, he's a big physical guy. When they get in close, Josh Allen likes to look for him. Again, top five in the NFL in end zone targets, which given his lack of usage last year is unbelievable that he got that. Like basically whenever he was on the field, like Josh Allen looked for him. Uh, So I could see a scenario where Stephon Diggs, who last year got a lot of end zone targets as well and just didn't come down with him. Gabe Davis gets, you know, 15 touchdowns or something like that, something insane because we expect Josh Allen to have a big year. It is a narrow target tree there. I mean, they've got Diggs, they've got Dawson Knox, they've got Isaiah McKenzie, but Gabriel Davis very likely leads this team in end zone targets. If he connects on, gets a little bit of lucky, yeah, Gabe Davis outscores Stefan Diggs in fantasy points, even though I think Diggs has a monster year too. Yeah, I like this one because touchdown production is so random. Yes. And you're taking the underdog, and so you're getting that upside without paying for it as much. Could totally see Gabriel Davis outpacing Diggs in touchdowns to a way that offsets the likely difference in receiving yards. Okay, DeAndre Swift, who's become a pretty trendy player, but this, uh, this goes beyond trendy. This is extremely bold. You think that he may finish as the number one running back in fantasy. Yeah, again, bold prediction time, but this guy was a top eight running back on a points-per-game basis prior to his injury in week 13. Average almost five receptions a game. He's targeted over six times in seven different games last year. He's a big part of the passing game. So one of the things you need to – what you need to do to become the number one running back in fantasy, you need true three-down usage, right? You need, to, you need to be on the field, so he's got that. You need touchdown equity. So we'll see. That's fluky, right? But you also, I think it helps, just like Jonathan Taylor had last year, to have a great offensive line. And for the challenges that the Lions have, sneakily, they actually have one of the better offensive lines in the NFL. And you think about whether it's you've been watching Hard Knocks, you go to the press conferences, Dan Campbell is a, you know, old school football guy, right? He is Love a smash mouth guy. He's a, we're going to bite their kneecaps and all that, <laughs> right? So I, I, I could see DeAndre Swift, who no one questions the talent, DeAndre Swift having just a monster year here by a good offensive line with the amount of touches he's going to get on what I think will be a better offense than people think in Detroit. Yeah, I should set an over-under on bitten kneecaps in Detroit. Right. Yeah, two and a half. I think with Swift, the over. with Swift, the element there too is that they've had three wins yeah. last year. This year their win total is six and a half, pushing towards seven, so there should be more favorable game scripts uh, for him to go to work. Another team that's going to have a lot but of But what's favorable. great about him is it doesn't matter because even when they were trailing last right, year, again, he's, he's the pass-catching running back. He's out there, a lot of junk time scoring. Again, it's bold, but it's, I don't think it's crazy. Yep. Should be more goal line opportunities as well for a team that should just be better. And like you said, they do sneakily have a very good offensive line. Okay, another team uh, that should have a good offensive line if Dave Bakhtiari is there and everyone's healthy, the Green Bay Packers. And your next bold prediction, number six, is that both Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon finish as top ten fantasy running backs. So this is predicated on the idea, obviously, that with Devonta Adams now in Las Vegas, they're going to be more balanced and they want to use both guys. Matt LaFleur calling both Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon 1A and 1A. They're, quote, they're two of the premier backs in our league, in my opinion. They can do anything. Again, you go back to the seven games in the Matt LaFleur era in which Aaron Rodgers played and Devontae Adams did not. And in those seven games, Aaron Jones 
got a 19.8% target share, basically a 20% target share, average 20 touches a game, average 25.7 fantasy points per game, like just massive usage. And now you think about A.J. Dillon, who got, he had eight different games last year where he got 15 or more touches, average 14.8 fantasy points per game. You add a few more touchdowns to that, and all of a sudden you're talking, you're looking at both guys as top 10 fantasy running backs because, again, I think they'll be in scoring position often. I think Aaron Jones will take a lot more of the target share left by Adams than people are realizing. Jones will be the hammer between the tackles. They like both guys around the uh, around the goal line, more balanced offense. We think it's going to be a good offense this year, and it's a good defense. So they get some turnovers. They're in enemy territory more often. I like both guys quite a bit, and I love Dylan at his ADP. Yep. I, the other thing here, and I've mentioned this before, but Green Bay are favored in 15 of their 17 games, which means that they're going to have extremely favorable game scripts. And the guys, as much as Romeo Dobbs and Sammy Watkins, because uh, everyone's looking to them to replace Devontae Adams' production, the two running backs as well are going to siphon into that. Now, number seven, which is surely your favorite one, Jalen Hurts finishes as the number one quarterback in fantasy. I hear you like Jalen Hurts. Well, he's my fantasy ride or die, so it makes sense that I would make that bold prediction because, as I said, one of the reasons he is my ride or die is that number one quarterback in fantasy is within the range of outcomes. I, I just keep going back to the Josh Allen comparison. I'm not saying he's got Josh Allen's arm, but the situations are very similar. Athletic quarterbacks that were criticized for their accuracy early in their careers, but we knew about the rushing. Second year of Josh Allen, you compare it to the second year of Jalen Hurts that we just came out of. Jalen Hurts, more rushing yards, more passing yards, higher accuracy, the same amount of interceptions, same amount of touchdowns per game. Josh Allen had two full seasons after, you know, after the second year. After Jalen Hurts' second year, he only had the four games his rookie year. So Josh Allen actually had more experience under the same offense, and yet in his second season in the NFL, Hurts was still better than Josh Allen was. Going into year three, Bills give uh, Josh Allen Stephon Diggs. He finishes that year as the number one quarterback in fantasy. This year, they give him uh, A.J. Brown. Really good offensive line for the Philadelphia Eagles. Really good schedule. We know about the rushing ability. The accuracy, I think, has improved Has improved so far what we've seen in the preseason. I think it will improve a lot more than people give him credit for. They forget that Jalen Hurts was throwing downfield a lot, which also hurts your accuracy. So, yeah, I'm in on Jalen Hurts. That's my bold prediction. Number one quarterback in fantasy. All in Hurts. He's 30-1 to 1 to win MVP, which I don't mind. The Eagles are now the favorite to win the NFC East. They were plus 300 at the start of the offseason. Now they're plus 135. They've leapt the Cowboys. I cannot tell you how many drafts I got. And the, the problem with having a ride or die. People know. They know. <laughs> and so everyone snipes me. I, I, like, I, I wanted him like in every league, and I've, I got him only in a handful. Alexa. <laughs> Show league that we do here yeah. for Fantasy Football Happy Hour, my producer, Alexa. Like, a producer's job is to support their talent, make their talent feel good. Alexa just did the opposite. Alexa did the Fantasy Football equivalent of give me the middle finger. It was savage. It was savage. savage. I loved the it. The pick before. Magnificent. The pick before. <laughs> Lamar Jackson was still there. Like, there were other really good quarterbacks she could have had. And Alexa's like, you know what I want to do to my talent? Ha! Adjusted this, MFR. Thanks, Alexa. Phenomenal. Okay, another one of you guys in your stable, Allen Robinson. Yeah. He outscores we'll Cooper Cup. Right, again, this goes to touchdown equity. Like, I believe that every single defensive coordinator that has the Rams on their schedule this year studied a bunch of film of, the, of, of L.A. and said, all right, how do we stop Cooper Cup? Because last year, they're like, oh, yeah, very good slot wide receiver. But they didn't scheme to stop him 
I think, the way they're going to. Uh, Allen Robinson is somebody that um, uh, has been a top 12 fantasy wide receiver. He's been a top 10 wide receiver. He has that on his resume. Last year, Robert Woods, who doesn't have nearly the touchdown equity of an Allen Robinson. Robert Woods was a top 16 wide receiver on a points-per-game basis. Rams number one in wide receiver target share. Again, Allen Robinson is somebody that has had games, you know, in years where he scored a lot of touchdowns. Big, tall guy that can win 50-50 balls. No OBJ. At least who knows when Beckham comes back. So, again, I think if the touchdowns skew towards Allen Robinson, I think both have big years. But with the randomness of touchdowns, that's a bold prediction. Allen Robinson over Cooper Cup. I like this one because when you're taking an underdog, you want the variance, you want Mm. the high ceiling, high floor. You get that with the touchdowns. And then you also get it with Allen Robinson coming into the unknown, playing with the best quarterback by far of his entire career, which also creates that upside too. We've talked a lot this offseason about the – uh, never underestimating the importance of getting a quarterback upgrade. Cooper Cup lost you. Right, with from Goff to Stafford. Think about McLaurin this year. Uh, you know, going from Taylor Heineke to Carson Wentz, that is an upgrade for him. So there's a number of situations. Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy going from, you know, the situation last year in Denver to Russell Wilson. On and on and on. 100%. Okay, Derek Henry catches 40 passes. His career high is 19. Yes, but last year before the injury, he was on pace for 37 total receptions. So this is actually, I don't think this is that bold a prediction, but it sneakily is, you know, I I got it in there. You snuck it in. Yeah, look, this is somebody who averaged almost three targets a game last year through the first eight games. Traylon Brooks has had a a, a struggle this preseason. Robert Woods, 30 years old, coming off the ACL. They're going to have to find ways to manufacture offense there. They signed Austin Hooper, who's a nice pass-catching tight end. But I do think that their best offensive weapon is Derrick Henry. Do I think he suddenly becomes Marshall Falk or, you know, or, you know, DeAndre Swift or Chris McCaffrey? I don't. But, again, last year he was on pace for almost 40. So, bold prediction, I think he goes north of 40 receptions for the year. He obviously needs to stay healthy, but I think he can get there. I think so. I think this is a necessity is the mother of invention type thing uh, where they have to diversify their offense. They can't just run him into loaded boxes. Even before he got hurt, that was starting to, to not work. against Games against Kansas City, against the Colts, leading up to his injury, he just wasn't getting the efficiency. They don't have the receivers really, so they're going to have to involve him in the passing game. Now, Cole Kemet who I feel like we've talked about a lot and will continue to. Uh, Another guy in your stable. He's currently being drafted at tight end 15. And you think he, well, you're making a bold prediction that he finishes top five at the position. Cole Komet had 91 targets last year. That was top nine among tight ends. 91 targets on an offense that was broken. On an offense that was broken and a quarterback that didn't know what he was doing because the coaching staff just hadn't put him in a position to succeed. And yet he still got 91 targets. He had zero touchdowns on those 91 targets. He's one of only two players that had 90 or more targets and zero touchdowns, yet he was tied for the fifth-highest red zone target share among tight ends. Just incredibly bad luck, and as we talked about throughout this segment, variance, right? I expect this offense to be better. I expect Justin Fields to be better. By the way, Allen Robinson no longer there. After Darnell Mooney, there's not a lot of target share that you're concerned about in terms of Cole Komet's going to be a big part of this offense. We heard Jason Garrett, Coach Garrett, came on the happy hour last week. He went to Bears camp. Eberflus and, and a lot of those guys on the Bears staff are former former guys that worked with Garrett on his staffs. And so he just he said point blank on this show, 
Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet are going to be a big part of what they do on that passing offense. So, yeah, again, he gets the touchdowns. He gets the six touchdowns last year that went to the other tight ends. He gets that. He's right there. He's, so, he's got a shot, and I, I think he's got a shot at, you know, eight touchdowns this year. Talking about upside, Justin Fields has as much upside as anyone. Justin sure. Fields might just be awesome. Uh, yeah. He's certainly got that skill set, and that, that awesomeness, that upside has to go somewhere on the field. And it's really, it's just, it's Mooney and it's Cole Komet, and then after that, you really have to start reaching. So I think that, yeah, there's twofold where Komet has his own upside, and then that gets amplified by Fields. We did it. We got through all 10. We all didn't get 10 the bold predictions. Once. By the way, bold prediction by our producers was that we wouldn't. <laughs> exactly. So, boom, in your face, producers, back home. We'll be back right after this. The NFL season is finally here, and the NBC Sports Predictor app is giving you two shots. You heard me, not one, but two shots at winning $100,000 by entering Sunday Night 7's free contest. It's free, and you can win hundred grand. What more do you need? Okay, the first is this Thursday night. You need to guess what's going to happen between the Bills and the Rams as the teams usher in the 2022 season. Then on Sunday night, you'll have another chance for another hundred grand when the Buccaneers face the Cowboys. If you don't have the Predictor app, go download go download it now wherever you get apps. Again, it's free. If you don't, the only reason you shouldn't download it is if you hate free money. But if you like free money, if you're like me and Jay Croucher. You need to download the NBC Sports Predictor app and play the Sunday 7. Uh, so let's do this now for the game on Thursday night. This will also be, I think, informative for anyone that might be uh, placing a wager on these players uh, or how you think the game will play out. First number one, I guess, is total points, Jay. How many total points do we think are scored in this game? A lot of options for us here. Total for the game is currently 52.5 according to FanDuel. Yeah, it's a high total, and the way to think about totals, because, I mean, that, that's just the number in isolation, but the average total for an NFL game in the betting market is 48. So just always think about totals relative to 48. So this is four and a half points over that, which makes sense. We've got Josh Allen, yep. Matthew Stafford, and all the offensive talent. So if I'm going to make a pick here, uh, and they're all pretty difficult, kind of low outcome probabilities, but I'd say 49 to 52, just because that's the closest around the betting market total, and 51 is the magic number. 5% of games finish on 51. That's just, for whatever reason, the scoring distribution, a lot of love for 51 in the NFL, so that would be my pick there. I'm not going to argue with the math right there. What I will say is, is that we expect fireworks. We expect, you know, two really good offenses. They might start a little bit slow, but uh, Rams have to figure out their defense. Obviously, Von Miller going to be, uh, you know, looking at him from the other side now, right? And uh, obviously there's some injuries on the Bills' side of the ball there, so this should be a fun one. One of the other ones, so I'm going to go with you, I agree with you, give me the 49 to 52 point range on that one. Another question that comes up in the predictor app for this one, more receiving yards, Stefan Diggs or my little Cooper Cup? I think this is an easy one. This is Cooper Cup. He's just yes. he's set 30 yards higher than Diggs. Uh, he's we have the track record, uh, and I think that you know Diggs in terms of fantasy value, if he's going to catch Cup over the course of a season, it would be with touchdowns. Cup just accumulates yards. Uh, you know we saw in the Super Bowl when Odell Beckham went down, he's getting triple teamed every play, and I was watching him every single play to ride my Cooper Cup Super Bowl MVP bet. Uh, he's still getting fed the ball. He just gets open. He just accumulates yards. Okay. We agree. We agree on Cooper Cup. Okay. Now the next one for you, Josh Allen, Matthew Stafford. Who do you think has more passing yards? Yeah, I'm uh, Josh Allen or Matthew Stafford. I'm going to go with Matthew Stafford. 
Oh, 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 you know, just again, I'd rather go against the Bills secondary than the Rams secondary here. Josh Allen gets you, you know, points with his yards as well. So I'm going to take Matthew Stafford. Remember, his yard passing yard prop is 265 and a half. He went over this number 12 times last year. I think they're going to have to throw to keep up with the Bills. They're the uh, they're the uh, they're the underdogs here. We expect them to be trailing. They'll be throwing. Again, we already talked about the running backs are banged up as well. The way the Rams move the ball in this game is by passing. Yes, I agree. Now, lastly, we've got to pick a winner okay. for the game. So the Bills, they're minus 130 favorites over the Super Bowl champ Rams. Not getting much respect. They're the plus 110 underdog. Forget about the, the odds. Just who do you think is going to win? I think the Rams win this game. The defending Super Bowl champ has dominated on Sunday Night Football opening night. 11-4 and straight-up record in 16 seasons of Sunday Night Football. By the way, Sean McVay, 5-0 and straight up and against the spread in Week 1 games. Give me the Rams at home. Okay. I hate agreeing with you, but uh, I'm going to go with the Rams as well. This line, The Rams were favored when this line opened, and now they're two-and-a-half-point underdogs. There was just an absolute shower of love for the Buffalo Bills, and I think that it's gone a little bit too far. I think they still have weaknesses on the offensive line at cornerback, and also maybe the more controversial thing is I don't think there's that big of a gap between Josh Allen and Matthew Stafford. I think because he threw all the weird picks last year that people are forgetting that Matthew Stafford is one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league. Josh Allen turns it over a lot too. I feel like, you know, when I look at this line, and you're somebody who sets lines and you did that for points, but I feel like when I look at this line with the Bills being favored the way they are, the books are begging you to bet the Rams. Yeah. That's what they are. They're begging you to bet the Rams just because there's so much money on the on the Bills. Fading the public is never a bad idea. Worth noting, straight up uh, in week one games over the last five years, the Bills were three and two. All three of their wins came against the Jets. <laughs> Different story across the country in L.A. against the defending Super Bowl champ Rams and Sean McVay. Again, is 5-0 and oh straight up and against the spread in week one games. Give me the Rams getting two and a half. I love that, and I like them straight up as well. So uh, we are there. We are back tomorrow, live from SoFi Stadium on Peacock. Of course, clips and uh, and full episodes available on demand on the Sunday Night Football, uh, the uh, NFL and NBC YouTube channel, and on Peacock and wherever you get podcasts. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. For Jay Crouch, I am Matthew Berry. We will see you tomorrow. Peace out. <laughs>